Now I'm going to introduce to you our preacher for today. We have a guest speaker today. Amen. Come on, give a hand. Come on. Our preacher for today is a friend of mine. And I think we can, we, all enough friend to say, kind of feels almost like, oh, because it's pre-pandemic, right? Every friend you make after pandemic is a new friend. Every friend you made before the lockdowns is almost like an old friend now because we've seen each other uh, um, through, through learning a bunch of things together in a bunch of classes uh, together. And, and it's my joy uh, uh, to, to, to put before you a guy, a pastor. He is Balan Solon, Pastor Balan, you know, um, and Pastor Balan, would have been here um, with his wife, Razelle, Razelle um, and his two children, Hudson and Hannah. But Hudson's dancing in his home church um, uh, uh, as part of their kids' ministry. And so the rest of the family is back in every nation church, right? And they are, they are from the every nation um, in Puchong. And so, and so I, I know Pastor Balan as a guy who really uh, um, understands and is, has a clear and strong discernment about what are the most important things in ministry. Now, now, as pastors, we encounter a lot of things that vie for our attention to put before our churches. And, and if we are not clear about what are the most important things to put before our people, we end up grabbing everything. It's like, a, like, like going to a buffet, you know, and just whacking everything, you know. And then later, then you realize that actually I should have been more focused and more attentive to what, are the most important things. Today, I'm bringing before you a guy, a fellow pastor, whom I know has a clear sense about the most important things. And he's going to share about that very topic. Church, I want to I want you to give the best SIBKL at Sungai Bulo round of welcome for Pastor Balan Solomon. Come on, bro. All right. All right. Take it away. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Pastor Fergus. You know, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, I got to know Pastor Fergus at a Young Pastors Academy that we did together. And even at that short time, oh, it wasn't short. I, I don't know how, I forgot how long it was. But yeah, it was quite long. But I, I, I felt like I got, uh, I, I found a kindred spirit when I was just talking to him. I felt like our philosophy, ministry philosophy, our sensibilities were very similar. And I got to know him over the time. And um, I realized when he talks, what I really enjoy about him is when he talks about his marriage and his philosophy and his marriage and his family and his kids, I'm like, wow, when I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Fergus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Eleonora. Eleonora. Yeah. Eleonora asked me this morning, um, Uncle Balan, how old are you? And I said, 22. Um, it's because pastors don't lie. So, and then she says, <laughs> yeah, anyway, but I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed by SIB, the, the church. You know, I remember when I was, I'm from Kuching, Sarawak. My sister is actually right now preaching in the SIB KL, uh, Rachel Kedung. So, but I want to tell you, you guys got the better deal, right? The, 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 the handsomer, the better looking pastor of the family is here okay so yeah don't worry about it you know uh, <laughs> um <clears throat> my father also is a pastor um so we come with three generations of, of uh, well two generations of pastoring and uh it's such an honor to be here honestly i remember when i was back in university i came to uh kl to study and i attended sibkl and i remember one particular camp uh, the, in those days it was called glue camp um I, I went there, I was there, yeah. Were you there? No, okay, I was, I was there anyway. So yeah, that, that, changed, that changed my life actually. Uh, I remember being re-encountering re God at that camp. So uh, awesome, it's so, good. it's so great to be here. But let me just introduce a little bit about my family uh, before I move on. They, I, they really wish they could be here today. It just so happened that my son, Hudson, this guy here, handsome fella, okay. Um, he's, he just recently started serving in the, in the kids' church, and he, he, he joins the worship team. You know, he, does it, he, he goes on stage, and they, they do a dance while they, they sing. So uh, he really wanted to do that. He's been practicing. And this is my daughter, Hannah. Um, she thinks she's boss. She doesn't know. You know, we call her princess. She wears a crown, and she really acts like that. She really thinks she's princess of the world. Um, uh, that's fine, okay? 
and this is my wife Razelle and you know uh, she she would really like to be here today and we had planned for it but she had a bit of a, a back uh, issue the past couple of days so she couldn't sleep well and she decided she better sleep in today just in case because we have a little bit of long day today so um, yeah so that's my family Razelle was a missionary to Thailand uh, for a couple of years and uh, now she is a missionary to the nation called Balan. Um, so population three. Uh, okay. We named Hudson after the missionaries that came to my people. I'm, I'm a Kalabit, by the way. We're from a village called Barrio. And uh, 3,000 feet above sea level, you have to take a small twin otter plane to get there. But back in the 1940s-ish, right, we were a headhunting tribe, you know, um, so in back in those days, our long houses, you know, like today I go to your house, you show me, you know, your great stuff. Oh, this is my big twin TV, great furniture, whatever. Um, back in those days, you go to the long house, they will show you, oh, these are skulls of the people that we have uh, cut off. This one in particular, you know, came from a tribe down there, you know. So um, that's the kind of tribe we were. Uh, three persons came, preached the gospel to us. Hudson Southwell, Kerry Tolley, and Frank Davidson. Okay. Uh, you can read about their book, uh, read about their story in this book called Uncharted Waters. Unfortunately, Hudson Southwell, Southwell has passed away uh, already, but you can read about their encounter, not only to the Klabit people, the Kenya people. So, you know, I really thank God for their life and uh, decided to name uh, Hudson after Southwell, um, who reached out. Kerry Tolley, actually, he, uh, during World War II was happening, they evacuated and they were put in the prisoner's camp in Kuching, right? At that time, they were translating the Bible into other languages. Kerry Tolley was carrying with him translations of the, I forget, what the, I think it's Kenya Bible with him, right? The, Japan, the Japanese or, um, or the Chinese at that time, they found those writings. They thought it was some kind of message for the army or whatever. They beat him. He doesn't recover. He dies in Kuching. So the, the gospel that I carry, I feel like is so valuable. It's been paid for by blood, you know. And um, so, I don't know. It's just, just one of those things that triggers me to say why I do what I do. Uh, yeah. But uh, that, that's, that's a little bit about my background, okay? And I uh, just want to invite everybody here to uh, Barrio, okay? Come and visit my little village there. It's beautiful. Uh, in the mornings when you wake up, there's vapor coming out of your mouth because, you know, it's, it's cool there. It's uh, 3,000 feet above sea level, and I love it there. Um, yeah. So today, we're just going to talk about the one thing. And, you know, life is so many pieces. You know, we have our, our work, our family, we have our... Um, our health, our finances, just so many things that we need to kind of juggle, right? But, you know, God has this one thing that if we focus on it, if we uh, build our life around this thing, actually everything else falls into place, right? And it comes from the verse, sorry. Am I pointing there? Yes. Okay. So, you know, you know, just like this photo, the first one is the size of a Tic Tac, but as it progresses, the last one is maybe, what, 100,000 of the first size. And the energy that it took to now topple that one is, is like, you know, it just took that one energy to push that one down. And this is what I, how I think about the topic we're going to talk about today, that if we invest in this one little action, this one little act, it'll transform uh, the rest of the uh, building blocks in life. Okay? So Jesus says it this way, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, preaching, uh, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, lo, I will, I'm with you even to the end of the age, right? So this is a resurrected Jesus. When you read the four Gospels at the end of it, even the, if you include, let's say, Acts, at the end of his time, the, what is recorded by Jesus 
preaching or teaching, it's got something to do with making disciples. Right? Now imagine that if you have uh, 40 days, right? you're resurrected, Jesus walked on the earth for 40 days, and the thing that is recorded him teaching is preaching the, the kingdom and go make this. But the thing that's recorded in scripture, what Jesus says is go make disciples. So if you read Mark, it says, you know, uh, go and buy my, go, go make disciples of all nations. And it talks about how, um, you know, they will carry uh, snakes and, and they won't get, uh, they won't get sick or they won't die when, when the snakes bite them, right? That's in Mark. In the book of John, Jesus, that story ends by Jesus telling Peter, you know, uh, feed my sheep, right? Um, in Luke, it's not really referenced there, but the, the author Luke, his chapter two is book of Acts. And you see Acts chapter one, Jesus ascends and he says, go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. So everything that's uh, recorded about what Jesus taught at the end of his life was all about making disciples. So we know that somehow that this thing, making disciples, was central to, the, it's like the most important thing that Jesus wanted us to know, right? Now imagine that, you know, um, as a father, I tell my kids, you know, I'm going off for, a, for, for a, a trip, right? And I tell Hudson, Hudson, I'm going off for a trip. I'll be back in one week. Okay, Hudson, this is what I want you to do. To do your homework and be kind to Hannah. All right, Hudson, and when I come back, I'm going to ask you, Hudson, um, this is what I want you to do. Do your homework and be kind to Hannah, right? When I come back from my trip, what am I going to ask Hudson? I'm going to ask him, Hudson, did you do your homework and were you kind to Hannah? Now, I'm wondering what will Jesus ask when he comes back? Right? If this was his last message, though, go and make disciples of all nations. And when he comes back, potentially, this is what he's going to ask us. Yo, Master Balan, did you go and make disciples? Right? Did you go and make disciples? You know, and there are a couple of things before we go into the how. Okay? Making disciples, sometimes we hear it too often, at least in my church. Uh, I like to say it almost every week. Uh, and we get numb to the message, right? Uh, I, I like to, and, and if that's maybe you, you're, you're there. Right? Psalms 51 can be a great reference point for you. Psalms 51, it says there, uh, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's David. David commits a sin, and now he's, he's repentant, right? He's, and now he's, he's, he's writing a song to God. And he writes there, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and then I will teach sinners your ways. Right? Restore unto me the joy, and then I will teach sinners your ways. You know, when, do you remember when you first accepted Christ? How excited you were? And like you were told other people about it, right? I know, you know, many of us, we've been Christians for a long time. Yeah, I, I, man, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was, is a pastor. He wasn't always a pastor, but uh, most of the, my, my memory, he, he is. Um, and, right? So I know what it's like to lose that, that passion, that fervor to preach the gospel, right? Oh, that's for young people. Or uh, that's, that's for, you know, um, and we get a little bit cynical about it. But when we say that prayer, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and we begin to rehearse our testimony to other people, guess what happens? We remember what God has done for us. Remember who he is. And then that fire and that passion starts out. Right? And then I will teach sinners your ways. Right? So, so if that's where you are, that's where I, I, I would recommend that you start. I pray, ask God, God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So then I will teach sinners your ways. Okay, so, okay, but today I want to cover go make disciples, right? Because when Jesus comes back, I believe that's one of the things that he requires of us. And I believe, you know, why is this the one thing? If, if go make disciples is part of our centrality of the way we think, guess what happens at home? You're not only a father, you're a disciple-making, disciple 
making father, right? These are my disciples, my children. It always starts at home. And that's one of the conversations I had with, with Fergus as well, right? Now as a husband, wow. Now we have to, you know, uh, I remember the Ephesian says, uh, husband, love your wives like Jesus loves for the church. Wow, that's hard to say. <clears throat> but that's when, that's what happens when the gospel becomes central to your life, right? And then you see that, oh my, I have to love my wife the way Jesus loved the church and he died for the church. That's what the text says. It, it makes you a better husband. It makes you a better father. And you remember, man, you're a disciple maker at your workplace. And you remember, man, it, boy, I, I was the, I was the uh, CMO of a company called Neutrovis um, up until uh, May. And just knowing that everyone knows I'm a pastor as well, like, wow, I, you know, I was on my toes trying to bring the most excellent job possible so that they they had no way to poke holes. Oh yeah, this guy, Christian, and look at, you know, it, man, because I knew I'm there not only to uh, make money for the company, but I was there to make disciples. You know, and I thank God I had two, uh, two other colleagues who were part of our church, you know, and, and some, unfortunately, sometimes they would say, Pastor Balan, that's not the way a pastor should behave. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. You know, I, I, you know I'm still your pastor. Why don't you just excuse yourself? Okay, let me, no. Um, but, you know, it, when disciple making becomes central, man, it, it affects your family, your your workplace, it, it just changes your perspective on the way that you engage other people. Okay, so that's uh, what is go make disciple. Okay, now the question is um, how do we make disciples? Okay, there are lots of ways, but I, I'm just going to take Jesus's way. Uh, what is a disciple? We answer that. Okay, so Jesus said to them, Mark chapter 1, verse 19, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So this Jesus, early of his ministry, he's walking by the sea and he calls his first disciples, right? His first sentence to them is, for me. So how do we make disciples? What is the disciple? The first thing the disciple is, is simply follow Jesus. And we all follow Someone, I just want to read a little text uh, for, for you guys. A great joy. This from someone's journal. A great joy. He greets me like an old friend. He looks after me. How I love him. Then he speaks how small I am. When he speaks, all resistance breaks down before the magical effect of his words. One can only be his friend or his enemy. He divides the hot from the cold, but the lukewarmness he spits out of his mouth, right? Who do you think he's talking about? Yes, you know, some of you might thinking, oh, he's talking about Jesus or God or whatever, right? But this is actually taken from Joseph Goebbels. He was the head of the SS, uh, SA, SAS uh, of the, the Nazi Germany, right? And he's talking about Hitler. So we all follow someone. Yeah, and um, it, it just depends who are you following. You know, right now, um, honestly, if you pick my brain, I, you know, Jürgen Klopp is right up there. Jesus, Jürgen Klopp. <laughs> I, read, I read way too much uh, Liverpool news. Um, but we all follow someone. And it just depends who are you following and how close you're following them. As soon as you follow someone closer, you start to imitate their behavior, their thought patterns. You start to become like them. So when it comes to making disciples, right? The other thing is sometimes when I'm meeting, I know I, I'm part of the, I, I lead the university in our every nation. And especially reaching out to uh, young people, um, non-Christian, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, 
I, I, I led a lady to Christ. Um, she was one of our leader's girlfriend. And I told her, today I'm discipling you, but one day you're going to be disciple somebody else. And you can see like, there's, there's apprehension. You know, oh, that's, that sounds difficult. That sounds hard, right? But truth is, when it comes to disciple making, you only have to disciple the, the person you're discipling, whatever you know. Right? So if you are one chapter ahead, that's one saying in our, our movement, we say one chapter ahead, that's all you have to be. If you know Matthew chapter one, that's what you shared with the other person. So if you know how to pray, right? Um, the Matthew chapter five prayer, right? uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, there will be the, right? If you just know that, that's what you educate the next person. So you, it doesn't have to be this, wow, but Pastor Balan, I don't know Genesis, Revelation, and the I don't, uh, eschatology and uh, all the other Gs, right? You don't have to. But where you have to be when you're disciple-making, when you're asking someone to follow, because they're not following you, that's the other thing that sometimes we uh, get messed up, is they are, you are leading them to follow Jesus. So what, wherever steps that you're following Jesus, um, that's where you just have to uh, teach them, educate them. So if the little, you know, one song, they teach them one song. By the way, I just want to, um, you know, appreciate your leaders here. Ellie, thank you so much for uh, being so helpful and Lionel this morning and the, the team at the back. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, so follow Jesus. Everyone follows. And like, like Jesus says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am, then my servant will be also. Any, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. We call Jesus Lord for reason. And, you know, sometimes we, if we understand this word Lord, the correct response is actually obedience. There's no... There's no half obedience, right? Uh, the saying goes, delayed obedience is disobedience. If Jesus is Lord, right, there's only obey or not. I know that's a hard thing to, to do, right? But that's the truth. And sometimes understanding Jesus Lord is the, this, the whole part of our life. Right, this whole journey that we're taking is understanding Jesus as Lord. Okay, next point. And Jesus said to them, follow me. So the first part about making disciples is getting someone to follow Jesus. Not you, not Pastor Mala, not Pastor Fergus. It's to follow Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Whatever you know about Jesus, just share it with them. Impart that to them. Okay, the next part about making disciples is them. Right, fellowship with believers. Well, when Jesus called the, the first disciples, he didn't call them into an individual, private relationship. He called them into a community, you know, like this, or your cell groups, right? That's, that's a community that we should be thinking of. So when you're inviting someone uh, into a discipleship, you're inviting them into a family. That's what it's about. So fellowship with believers. Can we try this, see whether it works? Oh, this one? There. Okay, basically what ha what's happening is there's a beep. And every time there's a beep, there, in here, and then people stand up. Okay, so this, everybody else is an actor, except for her. She's new there. Okay, now she's conforming perfectly to the group. So this beep, and then she's standing up. She's like, what? So she thinks. she's alone the crowd is gone and nobody is watching her except our hidden cameras what do you think she'll do 
now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now, watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Thanks so much. So that's an outsider who doesn't know the rules. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. More unsuspecting patients. Okay, I think that's, yeah, that'll, that'll do the point. That'll make a point. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's the power of community. That's why you know, we invite people in a, in a spiritual family. And the culture that we build, eventually, it's learned, it's caught, right? So, I, often people say, culture is not taught, it's caught. So, we invite people into a... Uh, community. Um, that's what happens. I remember when we, uh, a particular student that we were reaching out to, he's been joining us for a while, and then it was dinner time, and then he's waiting, and then he reminds me, I was about to eat, and he says, uh, Pastor, uh, you're not going to pray? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, let's, let's pray. <laughs> right? Now, that guy is now telling the pastor that we should be praying before a meal, but this just goes to show the power of uh, community and the culture, when you, when you build it, um, it starts to define people's identity and the behavior, right? It's, uh, it's, it's not really new. You can, there's a lot of scientific uh, stuff out there about uh, how communities do that for us. So you are your friendships, right? Um, okay, let's... Yeah, who walks with the wise, become wise, and so on and so forth. So the first step when making disciples is you get them to follow Jesus, get them to fellowship with believers, right? Um, it's trying to keep it simple for us. And then finally, Jesus says this, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Uh, immediately, they left their nets and followed him. So often we think about Christianity and becoming Christians as I become Christians and then um, it's behavior modification, you know. Uh, so I led that lady probably two or three weeks ago to Christ and the following week we continued our discipleship and asked her, oh, anything changed in your life? And she begins to mention, yeah, yeah, actually, I'm so much more peaceful. And then she begins to label behaviors that are different in her life. So begins to say, you know, I cast much less. And there were times that I wanted to react to my parents and I thought about it. And I just, I just let it go. And, you know, so she began to list out behaviors that change. But what happens when we follow Jesus is like what uh, Corinthians says, you become a new creation, isn't it? It's more than a behavioral change. Your identity changes. When Jesus, when you follow Jesus, he'll not only invite you into fellowship believers, he transform your identity from fisher of money, fisher of, uh, I don't know, depression, fisher of, we fish for different things, fisher of status, uh, fisher of pride, fisher of, um, I don't know, authority, fisher of power, right? And, and then Jesus transformed us into fisher of men. That's part of that journey. So whoever becomes a disciple, becomes a fisher of men. It's part of your identity. 
So it's when you understand this, then it making disciples doesn't have to be this chore that you have to do. It's like a dog barks, you know, a cat meows, a, a disciple fishes for men. This is just the way I live. It's part of my lifestyle. And that's the transformation that Jesus brings in to our lives. When, so when he called his disciple, he, he said, man, it's not just a behavioral, behavioral uh, modification that I'm going to do with you. I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to turn you into something else. Right? Children of light, uh, children of darkness, children of light, like all those things. And part of that is to become a fisher of men. So we all fish for something. Jim Carrey says this. I think everybody should get rich and famous, do everything they can, dream of, and find out that's not the answer. So what's the answer? Right? Everyone fishes. But when you come into Christ, God imputes in you the desire to fish for people, the desire and the power to fish for people. Reminds me of the story. Um, this Winnie the Pooh. Um, okay. Um, it's one of my favorite songs. It's quite, anyway, so let me just tell it to you. So Tigger, the tiger, you know, you know him. He likes to bounce around on his tail, especially in mud. And, uh, you know, he's getting muddy and stuff like that. And his friends get tired of it. Oh, man, Tigger, you're also dirty, also mucky. You know, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get Tigger and we're going to give you a bath, okay? So they give him a bath. They scrub him real nice. And then, boom, what happens? He comes out. He loses his stripes, right? And now the friends are asking him, who are you? And Tigger says, of course, it's me, dummy. It's Tigger. And they ask him back, you can't be Tigger. Tiggers have stripes. You know, Tiggers have stripes. And, you know, this whole uh, cartoon goes, you know, she, then, then they ask, then um, Winnie Pooh says, maybe you're a bear. Right? So, so, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm a bear. It's a tiger. And it tries to be a bear. It tries to climb up trees, get honey. He, he fails at it. And then a rabbit says, maybe you're a rabbit. Yeah. Tigger tries to um, take care of the garden, uh, eat carrots, fails at it, you know, and um, Piglet says, you're too big to be a piglet. Maybe you're a Christmas tree, wraps a Christmas tree. A really strange uh, story, but he lost his stripes and then he lost his identity. I'm thinking uh, for us as Christians, uh, disciple making is our stripes, really. It's part of who God has called us to be, becoming fisher of men. And when we don't apply, when we live it out, it feels like we're living an inauthentic life. I don't know if that's true for you, but certainly for me. Right? It, it feels like I'm missing something. You enter into sphere, you feel like, ah, there's a mission for me to be in this company that is beyond making money. If you have that kind of mission, calling in your life. Why? Because you got stripes. You got that, you got that um, feeling. But what happens next? Yeah. Anyway, some of you are already Googling it. Hey, I'm going to watch that one. That was really deep, right? It's, it's, it's really interesting anyway. Should I tell you the end of the story? Out of all the animals, the one that we educate him about Tigger is Eeyore, right? And it's, and it's weird. They're sitting and it's, it's like they're having this, there's stars in the sky and they're having like this philosophical uh, conversation. And Eeyore says, what makes you Tigger is not on the outside, but what's on the inside. And he goes, wow. And <laughs> okay, what makes you a disciple is who God has made you become. Right? And let's embrace our identity as fisher of men, as disciple makers. So, 
Disciple is someone who follows Jesus, fellowship with believers, and fishes for men, right? Um, simple way we can put this, we say this in our church, believe, belong, become. Right? Um, taking a person, Pastor Pan, I don't know how to make disciples. Well, did you help him believe? With the Bible, pray. Uh, yes, okay. Did you help him belong? Join community, cell group, life group, whatever. Is he in the, in the church? Does he attend some kind of community? Yes. Did you help him fish for men? Right? Because it doesn't end at coming at community, reading the Bible and praying. There's another element that we often forget is the Great Commission. And this is so important because as soon as we get that, I'm not a father only, I'm also a disciple maker. I'm not just, you know, whatever you do, your role at your workplace, you're there because you're a fisher of men. Right? It changes the way you lead, the way you work, the way you teach, everything. Right? And if we get that, we'll transform everything. Can I just have the worship team up? Uh, even as we close in prayer. Just need to Thank you, team. Can we stand even as we just respond to the message today. You know, um, Jesus tells us a, a beautiful picture of the future. He says, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. It's a costly price to make disciples. Right? So it costs you your time. Super inconvenient sometimes. Right? You have to travel a certain place or you, know, you have to reschedule certain things in order to make time for other people in your life. And your, your life is already so packed, right? And yeah, it's, it's, it's just the, the price is, is quite high, honestly. It's no, no joke. But then we remember what Jesus did on the cross, and the price he paid for us. Now imagine when, if Jesus was at Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he's there, and he's saying, God, uh, Father, if there's any way, take this cup away from me. And you know, God is just downloading to him, debriefing to him. Jesus is what you're going to have walked through. Remember Isaiah 53, says they buy the stripes, their people will be healed. You know, those stripes, it's going to come later. It's going to, it's going to stripe you. The, the whip is going to tear flesh from your blood uh, back. It's going to expose your skin. Remember in Psalms 22, it says that uh, you will not even look human. That's going to happen to you. Know, the Father just downloading those kind of, and probably Jesus remembering all these prophecies about what it means to go to the cross and he's thinking about the price that he has to pay. Imagine he's thinking, oh, God, that's too costly. Father, that's too costly. I don't want to pay that price. Right? Uh, yeah. Imagine if you know, Jesus is there and he sees the cross that he has to carry up to the Golgotha hill. This oh man, that's super inconvenient. Stuff that I'm not doing that. That's too that's too inconvenient. But he didn't. He paid the ultimate price for you and me. And when we make disciples, it is a way of thanksgiving unto him. The way that we respond, Lord, this is my worship. Without sacrifice, there's no worship. And it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your face. You, you might mess up. You might get rejected. It'll cost you your ego. There's a price to pay. But remember, 
that price that you're paying, Christ paid a far more costly price than you're paying. And then when you pay that price, it becomes a sacrifice unto God. It becomes this love offering unto Him. It becomes a stripe. It reminds you who you are. So, you know, just right now, um, why don't we just put our hands on our hearts? Maybe we just start at the place of restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Psalms 51 says. Just between you and God right now, just begin to say to him, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation so that I will teach others your way. Father, we thank you. You see the men and women in this room. You see your children here, Father. We thank you that you have transformed us into fishers of men. You have transformed us into disciples. You have transformed us from the children of darkness into children of light. We're so grateful, God, that we get to proclaim the message of the cross to other people. So I pray, Lord, that despite the fear that we have, despite the price that we have to pay, I pray, Lord, for the wisdom and the courage to pay that price. The wisdom to know what is the thing that we need to sacrifice. I know, Lord, you didn't call us to sacrifice everything. We're not supposed to sacrifice our families. We're not supposed to sacrifice our marriages. There are specific things that we are called to sacrifice. So you give us the wisdom, God, to know what are those things that we are called to sacrifice. And Father, you give us the courage to do it. Despite being afraid, despite the doubt, despite the feeling ill-equipped, God, may you give us the courage just to take that step. We thank you, Father. You're a good God. You're an awesome God. We thank you for your presence and your Holy Spirit. And I, I just see that this church will begin to multiply. The disciples will begin to grow both in depth and in numbers. We thank you, Lord, that the next generation, the youth, the, the young, will just begin to take root in this house. And they will begin to be transformed by your gospel, transformed by your love. And God, that we not just remain where we are, but Lord, we see God also nations being uh, trans being reached out by, by this church. Um, nations being touched, Lord, by the community here, Southeast Asia, from this church, Lord. Uh, to Myanmar, to Thailand. We thank you, Father, that you just begin to restore and remind this church of their identity, their unique mission of being here in Skybulo, that it's not only for this part of town, this part of KL, but Lord, you've called us to transform nations, Lord. And we thank you, God that uh, missionaries will come out of this house and uh, miracles and signs and wonders will be birthed in this house, Lord. We thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, church, just want you to just rest in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are under the hand of God's Spirit right now. And we don't want to jam it up. There is no atmosphere making here. Just want you to rest and stand under the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some of us here, you have been on the disciple-making journey before. You have led people to grow in the Lord before. 
you've been a leader in church before, maybe in SIB, maybe not in SIB. And somehow that journey has led you to a place where you had said before, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I'm done. Maybe there's too much pain. Maybe the price was too high. Maybe in the course of following him, you felt that you were called to neglect other parts of your life and sometimes maybe no one had, was there to guide you into knowing what price to pay and what price cannot be paid. And maybe along the way, you felt burnt by it. And if that's you, I just really want to pray along with you right now. Because you've heard this message, you've heard this call, and you know the Lord will ask of us, every one of us, have you made disciples? And I know today, right now, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you know you don't want to bring out very old treasures from your youth group so many years ago and say, there I made those disciples from 40 years ago, from 30 years ago. You want to be able to show him fresh, fresh news, new disciples. In every season of your life, there is obedience, there is yielding, there are new disciples being made through your love for Jesus. If that is you, I want to speak over you. Father, I pray for healing over every one of us who have been on disciple-making journeys that have been painful and disciple-making journeys that have cost us more than we thought we could bear. For every single one of us who are on this journey, I speak over you a healing. Holy Spirit, may you heal, Holy Spirit. Heal every single one of us who have been on those journeys and restore back to them the joy of making disciples, the joy of seeing lives transformed, the joy of having to see, the, the privilege of seeing lives lifted out of darkness transferred into the kingdom of the Son. Father, I pray that you reach into the hearts of our people today and bring about touch and bring healing to this place. There are some of us today, you know you are called to make disciples, but you don't know where to start. You've tried cell groups, maybe you haven't tried cell groups, maybe you tried some kind of group a long time ago. And somehow it just hasn't worked. And today the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart saying, My daughter, my son, I have not asked you to live like a lone wolf, like a lone ranger. I've called you to belong in a family. And if that is you, maybe you're in a season of your life where you are, uh, uh, by, by virtue of your work, by virtue of traveling, you, you find yourself alone more often. All the more, all the more, you must be surrounded by a group. But if you don't have a group, you don't know where to turn to find family. And it's very cliche for a pastor to look at, at 50, 60, 70 people say, this is family. And maybe it hasn't felt like family yet for you. I want to pray side by side with you over this. Father, Teach us to be family. Teach us to know how to love one another the way Christ loved us. Teach us to pay that daily price, that little cost, some days increasing cost, of what it takes for us to be a together with one another people whom you have called us to be. Father, we pray and ask that you lead us to open up doors so that we might, just might, find friendship in this place, find relationships in this place, find camaraderie in this place, find kindred spirits in this place, and maybe day by day, this place can be more like family. If you don't have a cell group, and you're wondering whether really you must find cell group, it's not about the cell group as a structure. It's about the people who can surround you and bear the stripes together. So Father, I just pray, Father God, that you knit our hearts 
And day by day, as, you keep, as we keep coming back to celebrate our resurrected King Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I pray, Father God, that you will knit us into a community of believers, into a body of believers. You know, church, I'm going to close now. I just want to bring to your, to, to, to your mind the story that Pastor Balan told of Tigger and how he lost his stripes. And as he lost his stripes, he lost his sense of, of being a Tigger. And how at the end of that story, he goes to Eeyore, the donkey, and the donkey says, what makes you a Tigger is inside you. My friends, what makes you a child of God is inside you. And as I was sitting there, Thalia was just filling in for me the ending of the story while he was with Eeyore. Eeyore encourages us to start asking, what do, what do Tiggers do? And Tigger said, Tiggers bounce on their tails and he starts bouncing on his tail. And as he bounces on his tail, his stripes come back. So cute. Church, some of you have not been bouncing on your tails for a long time. Some of you need to start bouncing on your tail again. And maybe as you start to go back and do again, do again the things that you were doing at the start. Remember, Paul reminds us, don't neglect to do the things that you were doing at the start. And maybe in our modern day, we are too led by the mind, too led by the heart sometimes. And maybe sometimes it's not a bad thing to be led by your body to do again the things that you were doing at the start. And maybe when you do that, the taps would be unlocked and the waters will flow again. So church, if you have not been doing the things you did at the start, go bounce on your tail. And in the same way that the stripes came back on Tigger, you know the cost is okay to pay because Jesus, when he bounced on his stripes, the stripes that came on his back were a different sort of stripes. He bore those stripes so that we don't have to bear those stripes. We can bear different stripes. We bear the stripes of a disciple maker. Father, we thank you, Lord. Teach us day by day to follow you. Teach us day by day to lead someone else to follow you. And for every one of us who has a picture of someone in our minds right now whom we want to walk with or whom we want to walk with us, Father, I pray into that relationship. Father, I just want to repeat a prayer that we prayed last week about whether we will be persuaded by the Spirit to do something with the kindergartens in, Sab in Sabah or perhaps to be part of a mission trip to the Tandek hostels. Are you still praying? Were you praying over this week? I've been praying over this week and I want to remind you to keep praying about it. Maybe this is one way you can be a disciple maker. Maybe God will show you other ways too. Let's pray. Father, thank you. May the Lord bless you. Father, may you bless us and keep us. May you make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May you turn your countenance toward us and give us shalom. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.